Internets, today's show is sponsored by Talkspace. Listen, they're a new sponsor, and I want you to show them love. I want you to check out what they got going on. They're the online therapy company. Listen to me. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick up an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. Listen, to match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash Pete. And to show you support for the podcast, man, listen, use code Pete to get $30 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com forward slash P-E-T-E. Head on over. Check them out what they got going on. Cheer. Internets, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, your nephew, your niece, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, your grandmother, your grandfather, your next-door neighbor. Listen, if you got an exchange student with you, happy Thanksgiving to them. But make sure you give thanks. It's not only just today. If you're with family, eating food, chilling out, relaxing, maybe some of that smoke, smoke. I mean, listen, I don't know what you guys do. You know, maybe some of that drink, drink. Who got the good pie? But make sure you enjoy your family and give thanks to what you have because that's a blessing. I think that sometimes holidays we get caught up into once a day thing. Like I always talk about how Father's Day, people celebrate Father's, you know, or Mother's Day like once a year, man. Listen, that's an everyday job. So it's like, you know. We should be giving their people their roses, you know, all year long, you know, and, and, and it's important to do that. So make sure you take this Thanksgiving to really give thanks to what you have. And if you're not where you want to be yet, it's a process and patience and determination will get you there. You know, it takes it takes time. But if you actually sit and, 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 and think about complaining or, or, or get frustrated, which is normal, it's part of the process. You never stop, do you know, pushing towards the dream. Never stop trying to turn your passions or your dreams into reality. Because even on tough days, the work you put in will will manifest itself once you get there. Now, let me tell you something. I want to give a big shout out to everybody at WeWork Philadelphia, all the staff there. We just had a premium Pete live show there. It was beautiful. Brought out Freeway, Quincy Harris, um, co-founder of AllHipHop.com, Greg Greg Grovey. Um, Mina Say Watt, April Walker. Man, it it was special, man, in Philadelphia. Really just had a good time vibing with everybody. The Pickle Table was a hit, as always. Travis Grill of Grill of Pickles. Man, Jason Mark, man. It's it just just a real good vibe. And, and I've been excited that we've been able to do New York. We did Atlanta. And we, and we also did Philadelphia. And our next stop, okay, you ready for this announcement? I feel like we're making announcements all the time, but that's a good thing. When you're making announcements... I got to say to myself, that's a fucking good thing, okay? Are you ready? December 2nd in Houston, Texas, the next live Premium Pete show is going down at the WeWork Galleria. Now, let me tell you something. WeWork's first Houston location opens that weekend in the Houston Galleria, okay? I'm so excited to be involved in this. We're going to bring it, listen, okay? Sounds by DJ Demo. Sponsored by Grills Pickles, the best pickles in the game. Sponsored by Jason Mark, the best sneaker cleaning products in the game. And sponsored by my good friends, the Sneaker Summit, who've been putting on for Houston for years. Let me tell you something. Houston is like a second home to me. Trust me, I'm going to bring out all the guns. We're going to have special guests from all walks of life, like I always do. You're going to come there, sounds, drink, food, and vibe. And you know what? I don't know. I mean, some people have asked me, and I just want to explain why I do it at WeWork is because WeWork is, a, is such a dope spot for creatives. 
you know, one thing about WeWork is, it, it, and, and this is for people who may not understand, WeWork is a platform for creators, okay? WeWork provides beautiful, and I say beautiful, like, like just, just some of the sexiest type of buildings and rooms and, and, and offices and for inspiring community and meaningful business services to over 160,000 members around the world, from startup and freelancers to small businesses and large corporations. The WeWork community is united by a desire for their members to create meaningful work and lead meaningful lives, okay? So that's why I mess with them because it's like, yo, everything I'm doing in the sense of like some of the episodes we have done with creatives and people who are creating things, it's like there's no better spot. It's like peanut butter and jelly. You know, to me it just fits. You know, it's like you, you, you think about like, where all these businesses are starting and, and being created. So shouts to WeWork, man. I'm so excited. Again, that's Saturday, December 2nd from 5 to 9 p.m., okay? So you, you, you'll find out more info. There'll be an RSVP page, and you can just stay tuned to my Twitter, at Premium P, at Premium Pete Show on IG and Twitter, and there'll be more info. But it's going down. Make sure you tell a friend. Saturday, December 2nd in Houston, Texas, at the WeWork Grand Opening of the Houston Galleria, okay? It's going to, listen, it's going to be special. And you know you know what's even dope? Not only will we have all my different, all different people I'm going to bring up from all walks of life. Like I said, we have Sounds by DJ Demo, so you know he can get the party rocking. But, you know, we'll have the pickle table. So listen, Internet, you, you want to understand what the world's best pickle is? Grills pickle will be in the building. Bunch of giveaways, bunch of raffles. And what's also dope is that we work is going to give, could you believe this? WeWork is going to give everybody who attends one free week of WeWork for all attendees. Just to check out, you know, what, what they got, complimentary week. You can have yourself a little office, maybe set some things up there and check it out. Trust me, it's a beautiful thing. Also, the following day, could you believe, who, who would have figured it, the stars would align like this? The following day, December 3rd, the H-Town Sneaker Summit, the legendary H-Town Sneaker Summit is going down, Okay. Just check them out. Sneak us someone to see where the location is. Man, me and Bun have an announcement to make. We're going to be dropping something super dope at the H-Town Sneaker Summit. I'm so excited for that announcement. Keep it locked to my Twitter and Instagram at Premium Pete, and, I, and I'll let you know more about that. Listen, I want to give, a, like I said, it's going down. I want to give a big shout-out to everybody at WeWork, especially my guy Eric. I want to shout-out the team that was helping out in Philadelphia and has helped out Benson. Noah, Rob, Momo, Isaiah, um, just just real, 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 real team shit that helps propel what we're trying to do here and touch down in each city and give people a vibe. You know, one thing I'm really excited about is that we'll go to Philly, bring out people like Quincy Harris, who helped bring Meek Mill on, 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 on radio years ago. Bring out people like Mina Say Watt, Power 99, a morning show host to see what it's like. Bring out people like Freeway, the legendary Freeway. Or in Atlanta, bring out the legendary DJ Greg Street or Trinidad James or, or KP, man. Or in New York, bring out, rest in peace, my brother Prodigy, just Blaze. You know, you know, man, Bernadette Price, man. You know, April Walker, you know, Chris Morrow. You know, it's like, so every town I go in, I want to bring people from all walks of life. So I'm really, anyway, listen, I don't want to talk too much about this, but I do want to say, Internet's, Happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening at another time, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. But really, thank you for allowing me to not only help you guys and grow with you guys, but also get on the road, 
hit different cities, create a different vibe. So one more time, I'm going to tell you, Houston, get ready, December 2nd at the Houston We Work in the Galleria. Okay, it's a grand opening, December 2nd from 5 to 9 p.m. It is going down, okay? I'm telling you right now, drinks, sound, food, listen, okay? It's going down. Now, let me tell you something. This week's episode, okay, is a special one. Sat down with a longtime friend, founder and creator of NiceKicks.com, Matt Halfhill, okay? This dude has been able to, like, stay relevant, has been able to take an $8 website, okay, buy that he went on GoDaddy or, you know, and turn into a multi-million dollar company. Uh, I mean, seriously, uh, uh, has become a well-respected site, has, has created so much content over the years, has worked with so many different brands, and still stay relevant. It's years now. So we get behind the mind of Matt Halfhill, what he thinks about the business, how we got started, you know, how he took an $8 website buy into a multi-million dollar company, and what he thinks about the future that Nice Kicks hold and of the sneaker community because it's a billion-dollar business. I love when I bring these episodes. Like, when you think about it, we go, last week, we have a T.K. Kirkland. Funny, talk about shit, real-life gems. The week before, my brother DeRay talked about activism and socialism and, and, and just really just what it takes to make this world a better place and, and, and the front lines that he's been going through. And before that, you got G-Spin, behind-the-scenes producer, put together the shows like The Breakfast Club. And now we sit down with Matt Halfhill, founder of Nice Kicks, and see how he built an empire. Let's get to the show. Cheer. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want to scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with my guy. But I wait, I say that all the time. But I love when we do these episodes. That start with footwear, that start with entrepreneurship, that start with just relationships that have been built over the years. The one and only Matt Halfhill, NiceKicks.com, founder, amongst many other things. Yo, don't you think people these days try to put you into one box? Uh, Yeah, definitely. They call you Matt NiceKicks? Yeah, I've gotten that. I've gotten that, Um, you know. But yeah, it's, it's, I I embrace it now, Mm. for sure. Mm. Well, first of all, for people who listen who do not know, uh, Matt Halfhill, founder of NiceKicks.com, the first sneaker blog that was created. You know, now people look around, they see so many different blogs. They see High Snobiety. Mm-hmm. They see uh, Sneaker News, or they'll see The Shoe Game, or Kicks on Fire, or uh, Hype Beast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that they were all influenced off of what you created? Well, Hypebeast and High Stimbiety had launched before I had done my blog, mm-hmm. the sneaker blog. But they were not fully focused on sneakers. They mm-hmm. had done like they, this was the era of doing confetti colored streetwear and you know all over prints on full zip hoodies and and vinyl toys and a bunch of other stuff that really wasn't me like or wasn't really like what I really loved the most and. I felt that a, the, a lot of the sites, like we had Freshness, Hype Beast, and High Stimbiety when mm-hmm. it started. Um, I actually built my first sandbox project for the blog on a domain called Sneaker Hype. And that was kind of a, a nod to Kevin um, over at Hype Beast. Mm-hmm. I actually had lived 
only like two miles from Kevin. We didn't even know it at the time that we'd lived right near each other in Vancouver. Um, but when I started that, I, I really felt like these guys are doing a cool job, like this format of, you know, information about sneakers in a blog form. But they were talking about things like SBs and BAPE. And, you know, you know, while I do like those shoes, it wasn't, that wasn't the only thing I was interested sure, in. Sure. There was like no coverage of Bo Jackson's, mm. very little coverage mm. of Air Force Ones or Jordans or anything like that. Or any diamond turfs. Or oh, forget about it. Not even nowhere to be found. You know. I love that so, you said forget about it. I mean, yuck. Look, when in Rome, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Let, let's take it back for one second before we go back. Yeah, there. for sure. Matt, you grew up where? Because you grew up. I grew up a lot of places. Okay. So, the first fifteen years of my life. I grew up in Fresno, California. And then in the 10th grade, my family moved to the Caribbean. We lived in Grenada. And my parents... What, taught, why is that? They just... Uh, so my parents taught at the... Both my parents were professors. And they had been at Fresno State for, gosh, almost 20 years. And they were like, yo, we just... We've put in more than enough time here. Let's just go somewhere else. Uh, my dad has taught at 13 different universities. Mm. Um, so we moved to Grenada... And literally the day before we got on the plane to move to Grenada, we found out from Canadian from Immigration Canada that we had our application had been accepted. So we were like, "Oh my gosh! Like this is amazing!" So we knew, like, okay, we're only going to be in Grenada for a short period of time. So I was there for just one semester, really, in um, Grenada, and then after that, we moved to uh, British Columbia in Victoria, BC. Now, how so. different was that from being, you know, oh in the States and gosh. then moving to... So this is this is the thing that's so wild. There was... The internet was in its infancy, mm-hmm. but we didn't, ha- we didn't even have high-speed internet readily available in California, and we had spotty internet in Grenada. Like, we... There were weekends where we just had no internet. Mm. But it island. wasn't. But it, but you weren't as mad as probably people are today. Oh no! Today, like they'd lose their mind. They'd yeah. be flipping couches, yeah, no burning cars. Internet. Like yeah, I mean, it'd be meltdown if there was no internet. No, but um, we didn't have. But as a teenager, I didn't have MTV all the time. Sure. It all depended on where the satellite was positioned. I might have MTV. I might not. You know, um, it was. There were a lot of things I was comfortable having in America, and when I went to a third world country, and you know, lived very much in a different way. I really started to appreciate everything I ever had in my life and look at things a very different way than I ever Mm. did. Mm. Um, I'm forever grateful that my parents didn't go there and have me go to a school with like all the kids, the professor kids schools or students rather, you know, like I lived as close to the culture of Grenada as I possibly could. Um, and it had such an impact on my life. I, I mean, I used to dream of that of of the island all the time. You know, it probably wasn't until I actually went back to the island that I was. It was like a weekly basis. I was thinking about that place. Now, what, what so, would you say made you think of it like that? It was a pivotal point in my life. Mm. It was a pivotal point in my life because I think before I had let a lot of people get in my ear of course you know teenager whatever like young teen especially you think about what your peers think you're worried about what your peers think of you and all that kind of stuff and i got there and i really realized like like that's just noise man that's just noise you are who you are sure and i don't know what it was why was the you know was it just the change of venue that made me realize to embrace who i was or that me being who I was was all of a sudden this really unique thing that everybody was so interested in when I was down there. Mm. You know, like 
I walk into, I remember just walking into the school and people were asking me all these questions about me. Like that never happened before in California or whatever. Um, so I guess just being a new person in that time made me think like, wait, there is something different about me and that's cool. Mm. When you, when you first thought of wanting to do anything with sneakers, yep. um, what was mom and dad's <laughs> response? So here's the whole thing. I, so after Grenada, we moved to the Caribbean or sorry, we moved to Canada and I wanted a job. I wanted to, I actually wanted to work at a, at a nearby gym, but you had to get uh, certification to be there. And it costs like $200 for the class to get certified. And I asked my dad to borrow $200 to go get the certification. He's like, sounds like you need to go get a job. Mm. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'll go, I'll go get the money on my own. I'll find a way. And, um, I went to, you know, the one place in town that I thought would be a cool place to work, uh, athletes world. And I applied there. Uh, there were a lot of kids. I could have actually had guaranteed salary at a lot of places that would have been higher, uh, cause it was commission at athletes world. And, um, I didn't want to just work at the grocery store. I didn't want to just do like the standard like hourly thing. I wanted something that was going to like push me or whatever. And I thought it was cool that, you know, they had shoes, they had clothes, they had all kinds of other stuff in there. I think my brother and I talked about like they had – there's the only spot in town that sold Echo. So we were like, yo, that's a cool store. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is 2000, early 2001, man. Like, come on. So uh, we're definitely done with that, which, by the way, we're going to get into the years later. The fact that I was drawn to Echo Rhino has R- – Rhino like, gang gang? Yo, it's crazy, man. Crazy. So um, – I got the job there. I interviewed um, and got the job. And I it was about uh, a couple months in, about six or eight months in of working there. I got a call from my manager who knew I did a lot of stuff in online, um, like buying and selling things on eBay, musical instruments, whatever. He's like, do you think you could ever try buying and selling shoes? I was like, well, maybe. He's like, well, I've got all these half-price uh, shocks. You, he's like, they, they, he's like, they were 230 bucks. Then now they're only 115. So, you know, you can buy them, sell them. If you can't sell them, just take them back. You know, I'll, I'll let you return them. And so I bought, I went after, you know, um, after school and, uh, went by and bought like six or eight pairs and went onto eBay. And this was a just very ugly yellow shocks, uh, XT. And mm. it was only sold though in Canada and Asia. And it went half price, so it was like 115 Canadian. And with the currency conversion at that time, because the Canadian dollar was very low, um, I was able to make as much after the currency conversion on one pair as I would make working a whole day at the, at the store. And I was like, wow, I need to find more of these. So I started buying as much as I could of that shoe until like I ran out of product. And I tried to find other closeout shoes I could sell online and you know the problem was is that my access of supply was built on a buyer in toronto over buying product he shouldn't get Mm. so that course quickly dried up Mm. and then of course other employees in the company started hearing that i was buying these shoes and whatnot and so then there you know you had other guys from other stores who started to become resellers of the clearance tables so So these are this is early reselling this is 2001 and to me reselling was different than i was buying what everybody else passed on Mm. i wasn't paying somebody to stand in line to take a shoe from a consumer i was buying what everybody had a chance to buy and everybody said no and i bought it on the discount because nobody wanted it at least nobody in that local market did. 
And 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 then when you went to resell, people then wanted it at that time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was selling an exclusive colorway of the Shox XT. Now, what was your eBay name? Uh, Matt Haffel, I think. Okay. So where did even when did the inkling even come about nice kicks? I was tired of paying eBay fees and I thought to myself after selling like sold like maybe 50 60 pairs of shoes at that time and I thought to myself man this is awesome but everybody's going to say they got them on eBay. Mm. They're not going to say they got them from me. They're going to say I got them on eBay. Yeah, and I can't even remember who the fuck you are. Of course. So I was like I got to build my own name. It's a brilliant idea. So I was like sitting in the basement with my brother and we were like thinking of all these different names of like what would be a name for a site that would sell sneakers. And, you know, Cool Kicks was taken, alliteration. We'll get to alliteration. I love alliterations. Um, that was taken. And we were throwing a bunch of different names. Like what? And, oh, I mean, my brother had thrown out one, like, I can't even remember what it was, like Gucci gear or something like that. I'm like, what? Like, what the hell are you, are you talking, talking about? about yeah. It was like Gucci just become a slang term or something like that. I'm like, dude, that no, not doing that. I'm sure that's not allowed. Um, but, yeah, nice kicks. Nice was a word I loved because in Grenada, the way people would say nice, they would hold out the eye. Mm. And it was like it like really took on something. It meant something different. It was it was so how it, did was, it sound. Oh man, I'm not gonna try to do it. Get get me with a bunch of Grenadians and a bottle of rum and we'll be good. Like <laughs> I'll definitely have the accent come back. But then, if you but, think about it, right? Nice kicks is almost okay. Now we know it as a website and and, and a right. premier place to you know that has provided information and content for years. But it's also a compliment. It is. Nice kicks. It is. Yeah. And so to me, like, that's why ni- out of all the names that were on the page that my brother and I wrote out, nice, cook- ni- nice Kicks stood out to me. I said to him, I was like, to my brother, I was like, Mark, you know, I've heard this slang used or this phrase used in the three places we've lived. I heard it in Fresno. I heard it in Grenada. I've already heard it in Canada. I'm like, it's used in these three places. All these other terms haven't been used in just, you know, a lot of them weren't even terms. They were just like, you know, just a name or whatever. I'm like, this is a term. This is different. One thing I really enjoy about somebody like you and you, Ming, is you guys literally went on to say, go, daddy. Yeah. And at the right time, the right place, put in nice kicks or put in sneaker news. Yeah. Both amazing names. Yeah. And we're able to get them for what, like a dollar, five dollars? I mean, I borrowed eight dollars from my mom so I could use her credit card. I gave her eight dollars to buy nice to kicks. buy nice kicks. Dot com. And that's the only debt I've ever had. Mm. I built everything with no partners, no investors, nothing. Everything was sweat equity after that. But I did give my mom eight bucks so she, I could use her credit card. You know, it's funny because I always like to give an example. So an eight dollar investment turned into, say, a multi million dollar company. Right. Mm. See, that's to me, that's amazing. Yeah, you know when when people when people when people look back to the time of blogs and yeah. when they started to really surface. Yeah, as you were doing it, who were some people that you were like, oh shit, we got some competition now? It was, I'll say, is definitely Yu Ming. Mm. I I joke with Yu Ming. I, I jo- it was joking with G Rock. G Rock, we were like Yu Ming. Yeah, we were like Yu Ming screwed it up for all of us because we were able to just coast and do like you know six posts a day on a busy day, three posts a day on another day. Ah, oh, you know what? I'm kind of tired. I don't feel like posting today. There's enough content on the page. They'll be good. 
Then Yu Ming was like very rigid and diligent about getting that news up there and fast. And I was like, it was then in 2008, I had to hire my first team. Mm-hmm. Before it was all literally everything was me. I was the designer, the developer, the photographer, the videographer, the editor. Everything now, was me. Wh- so. Why is that? Because you didn't have the money to hire people? No, it, I just you didn't. Just wanted, you there didn't think it was big enough? There wasn't a need at that time. And I mean, I, I, I didn't know how to find people who wrote about sneakers. You know, like, who would know about you? So I mean, how, I how did in, you find? Who was your first person? I put it, so my first, so there were four OGs who were hired. Um, you put it on what? You were going to say you put it on what? I put it on Craigslist. Mm. Craigslist and at Monster.com. Mm. And the four OGs were Greg Grovey, who I was just t- texting with, who became the manager of the store. Yep, yep. Um, he was still in college at that time. He had reached out to me before wanting to intern for Nice Kicks. And this is like in 07. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I work from home. I don't know how I can have an intern. Like, I don't even know it's how that's possible. And I don't really live in Austin. I live like way out in the hills, hill country. Like, I'm on my own. Um, Greg Grovey, um, Nick Angval, mm-hmm. uh, George Keel, mm-hmm. and Peter Sim. Mm. Those were the four OGs from Nice Kicks. And they, we worked in an office in Lakeway, Texas, which is just a outskirts town of Austin, up in the hill country. Now, when you... They, they hated how much they had to drive. I actually had to give them... I actually gave them gas cards because it was that far to drive out to where I was. Now, what was your plan, though? What was your plan? Like, okay, you got four people. You We're have just going to gonna keep crushing the content. We're going to build the content. We're going to do more stories and features. Like, we were kind of the... We were the first site that really did the multi-list format of for stuff about sneakers. Like we, it was not just news and nice case has never really been just news. We've done editorial pieces that aren't time sensitive. Like one of the first columns ever on the site was throwback Thursday. Mm, mm. We started that in 2006 and that the whole idea of it was like, I ever, I wanted to like think, you know, I, I was young, like I was 20, I think when I started, no, 21 when I started, but I was like, there are kids younger than me who don't, who didn't live through a lot of these eras. And I thought like, they need to hear some of these stories. So I started writing, you know, about old shoes. And were you always a writer? No, dude. You know how much I hated English in in school? Mm. It wasn't until grade 12 that I had who I call, you know, Mr. Stack. I call him my first professor I ever had grade 12 English teacher. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't love writing mm. if it wasn't for him Why'd i wouldn't love what literature he okay i gave a test to him and it was a it was on shakespeare i can't remember which novel it was the um it's one with uh caliban uh what was the name of that guy anyways um it was on shakespeare and i got the and i got back the results it was like 78 or something he's like matt i know you can do way better than this he's like i want you to do he's like i'll give you another form of this test candid into me tomorrow he's like i know you can do better than this and he gave me that second chance but he was when he said to me like i know you're better than this i know you can do better i was i like it struck me i'm like okay this is a guy who is a very good english teacher you know educated at university of toronto he actually wrote a record letter of recommendation for me to go to that school and got in um and it, I don't know. It was that that pivotal moment with him. He's like, I know you can be better than this. And I started to take everything in his class more serious than ever. Before I was the kid who just worried about the STEM subjects, Mm. science, math, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, I I was like, oh, I just got to do English just to get through it. Like it's a requirement or whatever. But his class changed my thinking on all of it. You know, before we even dive into the four hires 
and yeah. really the creation and 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 how far you've been able to take nice kicks and and, yeah. and everything it has done. I feel like with success comes hate. Um, For sure. And sometimes I feel like, you know, when people talk about the success of nice kicks, somebody wants to say like, oh, uh, they used to have fake sneakers on the site. Yeah. You know, wh- wh- what is your response to people who say that? Like the st- like any story that you could explain of what that even means when people say that? So first off, it was probably the most <sighs> paralyzing thing about myself for the for many years. I You can talk to Joe LaPuma about this. Mm how many times I was so nervous of that that ever happening. You know, I remember all these other outlets threatening that, oh, we're going to out you for doing this. Oh, we're going to write a story. of If you don't do this, I'm going to write a story. About like, you just paralyzed me. Um, how it all happened, really? So when I was doing nice kit, or when I started selling shoes, I ran out of product I could sell. And I started going on to Google and going on to eBay and typing in, like wholesale Nike or wholesale, you know, at first I was trying to find wholesale Nike. And then, you know, somebody did said to me like, dude, why are you worried about like wholesale Nike shocks? Look at Jordan's dude. Jordan's way like much, many more people are looking at Jordan's and air force ones than Nike shocks. And so I type in wholesale Jordan's. I start finding people to, who would sell me the shoes. And I never touched the product. You know, he was like the first or second guy I'd talked to. He's like, well, I make it convenient for you. I send it straight to the customers from Mm. Hong Kong. And at that point in my life, remember, this is 2001 or no, 2002, rather. I'm 17 years old. I had no idea that there was such thing as fake shoes. Mm. I had no knowledge, never come across a pair in my life. Did the price scare you? Meaning like, no, because they were not cheap. Okay. They were not cheap. Because <laughs> like, usually that's a telltale. No, that would be a telltale sign. But at that time, Cool Kicks was selling, you know, as I found out later, they were selling fake Jordan 8s for 200 bucks a pop. Mm. You know, Air Jordan 11, fake, like the midsole wasn't even made of foam. It was rubber, white rubber. These things were ridiculous. Like, I didn't find out that the shoes I was selling were fake until I had been doing it for five, four or five months and a pair got returned to me. And I got this shoe in and I'm like, these aren't, there's no way these are real. Like there's something off about these shoes. They're just not built right. Or like I squeezed the midsole of the Air Jordan 11. And I'm like, dude, this is rock hard. This can't be like, there's something wrong here. And I was. And they had to jump men off. Well, I mean, what would we know? Remember back then the pictures were only 200 pixels wide. Sure, sure. And I had never seen an Air Jordan 11 in my life. Where I lived in Canada, we didn't get that retro. And when I was a kid, I I don't even know if Fresno got that many pairs of Air Jordan 11s, to be honest with you. So I hadn't ever really seen or really held that shoe in my in my hands ever. I'd just seen, like, grainy photos. So this so. was all before the site even turned into a blog, right? Oh, yeah, this is way before. I so mean, so what did, what, what so did you— So I pivoted to a blog because I was tired of what I was— I, I remember I was on a vacation in 2005. I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like— Thinking to myself, like, you need to do much more with your life than this. I was just before my 21st birthday. I'm like, you need to do more with your life than this. You, this is nothing to be proud of. You know, I started when I was 17. I, like, quit and I pivoted towards the blog when I was, like, 21 or 22. No, 21. And um, I just – I felt like, look, if I, I just wanted to do something different, man. You know, and, like, at that time, too, a lot of people – like, it's different from – 
fakes today. I don't think people fully understand. Like I, my, my time in that world was before even the SpongeBob Dub Zero. You know, like it was so far back. This was literally a time where we were selling shoes online that first off, you couldn't even check out online for for most Mm -hmm. of the time. Um, You were mailing in money orders to buy a colorway that had never been produced by probably either Nike or Jordan at that time of the shoe. And all, if you look at all these different addresses, I mean, I had the database of, or the, the list of like where all my customers ever were. And these were mostly rural Southern towns that had no access to retro Jordans to begin with. So a lot of these kids were buying either colors that, you know, match their clothes that weren't sold by Jordan, or even if they were even a color that had ever come out, people in freaking Dalton, Georgia don't have access to the fresh J's. Mm. They don't have access to that kind of stuff. It's not in their market. And like, that was just, that's what it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just selling, I was, you know, selling something online that people wanted. Yeah. And they and it was clearly put on that page. These are replicas. Mm. That didn't change people's opinions about what they were buying. They wanted them. So you just after a while you just shut it down. I, I didn't shut down. I literally went from one day flipping over. People I'd started building the site in the background and flipped over one day. Or, and I think I had like one day or one week I said, Nice kick's gonna go in a new direction. Stay tuned. First problem I had was everybody was like worried that they were like, what happened to my order? Like, I haven't gotten my shoes yet. I'm like, dude, trust me, you're getting your shoes. Like I had so many emails that week where people thought that they were never getting their shoes. Like I, I like bolted or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going in a new direction. And I was like, I kind of lived this double life. I actually got banned from the ISS forums even before it was the Soul Collector forums. I got banned from ISS forums. Because why, why so? Because I was, because I had run nice kicks. Mm. So Steve Mulholland banned me from the site. Mm. And his moderators banned me from the site. And because I had involvement in that, I was not doing anything of the sort on those forums. And I really saw I lived a double life. On one side, I had been doing this. The other side, I was diehard sneakerhead as much as anybody. Sure. And, um, but I just wanted to make a change in my life. I wanted to do something different. And I did feel at the time, like on the web side of things, there were a lot of stories not being told. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of there was a lot of great history about sneakers not hitting the web, and so, I thought that was needed. So let's get back to you, you make four hires, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, uh, you start creating content. Yeah, you know how how were you paying them? Did you have advertisement or you yeah? Just... So from day one on the site, like I mean, my first month as a blog, we were cash flow positive. I mean, really? I had I had did people um, reach out to you or you just went out and got advertisement? I just so in that day it was we had Google ads. We had banner ads, mm. um, and oh, they were text link ads rather. So yes. they were like IAB yep. units. So they would be the three hundred by two fifty or the seven twenty eight by nineties, but they would have text links in them, and those were funding the site from jump. Mm. And I was able to make enough with those and a couple other things that would make it. I, I, I I'm trying to think of what my first ad buy actually was. I think it was. Um, you remember the group, the pack, you mm-hmm. know, got my vans on what they look mm-hmm. like. Yeah. The record label for that reached out and did like, uh, you know, like gave me a couple banner ads and I sold it to them for a couple hundred bucks for the day. That was my first ad sale, you might say. So there's four of you creating content. When did you, you know, and you. you and know? me. Yeah. It was me for me solo for two and a half years. When did you realize that you had something there? Like meaning that you had an audience that was interested in reading stories, finding out info. 
you know, really just using it as a new age newspaper. Yeah, I mean, I kind of knew that before the hires, actually. Mm. I knew that when we joined Complex, and we were the first site were you to the ever first join. Site to, yeah, yeah, we were the first site in the Complex Network. First sneaker site or first no, site? No, first site. How did that even go down? Um, so I got interviewed. It really how it all went down. It's 2006. I got a call from this girl, this girl named Sarah Skidmore for the Associated Press, and she did an article about, she wanted to know about sneakerheads, and I started telling her about the whole sneaker thing or whatever. And then she's like, hey, I'm sending a photographer over to your office, uh, which at the time was just like a studio apartment where me and this other guy, Charles Mack, like we, we you know, he was designing this. He was building some things for the site and I was just running all the content. And they come there and I was like, why is she taking a picture of me? Like, this is weird. And then the opening line of this article is um, it, the, the title was Sneakerheads are Serious About Shoes. Mm. The opening line of the article was Matt Halfhill is a sneakerhead. And then just like goes into all this stuff. That was a very pivotal moment for me and the business because not only did it then lead to a complex writer reaching out to me to write an article about sneakers and um, that was actually Peter Rubin. Um, From that, I – yeah, there were other things like Tonight Show reached out, like other like television shows and whatnot, having me on, that kind of thing. Um, But the the thing with Complex, after we did the piece and the piece was published, Peter sent me the magazine. I was like, hey, that's awesome. Would you be able to link me with somebody who works on the blog at Complex? I saw you guys are doing a blog now. You know, would would you be able to link me? He's like, yeah, there's this young guy. He just got hired or whatever named Joel Puma. I'll I'll link you guys up. He's, He's running the blog right now. And that's how I met Joe. And I came out there uh, and then like Joe and I were talking like, you know, by email and by phone, um, you know, for maybe two months or three months or something like that. He's like, yeah, this guy, like over on the ad side of the business, Moksha and the, the like the CEO, Rich, like they have this like crazy idea and they, you know, like I, I don't really understand, but they really want to talk to you. Is it OK if I give him your number? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, give him my number. You know, let's talk. And uh you know, I, I heard what they were wanting to do. And I said, okay, let me just, let me come up and meet with you. You know, like I, I'd been in Texas for a while and I'm very much that kind of like hands-on. I need to shake sure, your sure, hand, sure. meet you face to face before Absolutely. we even really start even talking business. And so I fly up to New York and it was like my first or second time even, even in New York. Um, and yeah, that's when I met Rich and Moksha and, um, you know, heard the, heard what they wanted to do. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm in. You know? Now, was that when when you got on that network as the first site mm-hmm. and seen it take off? Mm-hmm. Was that the most money you had ever made uh, before, as far as like working um, with them? You know, the first couple of months were kind of tough uh, with Complex. I actually made more on on my own than I did with Complex. Uh, I think it was like the first three or four months. It didn't turn until like month five or six that I was actually earning more than I did on my own. But I was like, I believed in where they were going and the vision of what they had. Um, and then also too, like I knew that they were guys in media, like, mm. you know, established in media. Sure, and I knew what they were doing. Yeah. Knew where they were going. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, they brought a lot to the fold for us in terms of like nice kicks was not ever taken seriously by a lot of brands, but you know, it definitely helped conversation when it's like, oh yes, we work with complex. Oh, you work with complex. You mean like the guys who print a magazine? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's talk. You know, like that was that was crazy because you know it, at that time so many brands didn't even really know what blogs were, what they would be. I remember going to my first Magic Trade Show, and uh, every brand would had no concept of what a blog was, 
um, except for two guys at Reebok who actually were big fans of the site. And uh, they let, they were the only ones who let me take pictures and oh, write the about product. stuff. Okay. Yeah, they knew, like, this is going to help us sell shoes. You know, it's so funny because I had this conversation also with Yu Ming. You know, here you are wanting to take a picture and write a story to actually help them. Oh, my God. In, in, in term, this will help them sell stuff. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, I'm sure you like maybe with your first time, you know, and we'll go over, but the first time a brand ever sent you something like, oh, this is pretty cool. You're probably yeah, all yeah. happy. When did you, and, and we'll go, you know, we'll, we'll bounce back and forth, but when did you get to a point where you're like, man, we would like to make some money here? Yeah. You know, because, you know, uh, having you travel and, 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 you know, show you around and, and, and treat you well. Because, you know, I said this before, and, and I want to get your opinion. You know, it's dope to be a part of things. But sometimes when you go to these events, it's like you're kind of like, you know, you may be paying somebody. Um, you know, you're not making any money. Now you're grabbing content. But I always felt that, look. My content that makes who money? The brand. But I felt that, you know, hey, listen, forget about inviting me here. You could cut me a check for five grand and we'll create our own content. So this is something that this is a pivotal moment for us was probably about 2011 or 2012. It wasn't until like I had opened the store and then I really saw access, saw like insight and visibility into like retail advertising budgets that I was like, oh, my goodness. Wait, these brands are spending tons of money on things that never see the light of day. Mm. These brands are putting on promotions and events in hopes that retailers are just going to book their product. And I'm like, wait a second. I've got the largest audience on the internet about sneakers. What was your highest and, audience? At, at I time? mean, it's still growing every single day. Uh, yeah. So it's right now we're at 8.6 million followers across all social, uh, you know, like across all social and the web. We're over 200 million impressions a month. Mm. And mm. this is just us. Mm. Yeah, keep yeah. on where you are. Yeah, huh? Well, keep on, keep yeah, on yeah, where yeah. you are. So, I mean, I saw the amount of money they were spending just in hopes of booking dollars. And, like, why were they spending it? Oh, they just had budget for it. They needed to spend it. I started, like, seeing this. I'm like, wait. So they're not even trying to track direct ROI. And I had, I've always had a lot of confidence in myself and my team and what we do in that we deliver great content to a very captive audience who wants information and wants to spend money on sneakers. I don't think there's a better place you could spend money if you are a brand in, when it comes to advertising. But for some reason, the attitude with a lot of brands for a long time was, oh, we don't need to spend with them. They're going to cover it anyway. Mm. So and, they got hip to and, and it's funny that you say that because, you know, and I say this because there should be a way to break bread. They there got wasn't used for to, a long time yeah. until, and it, you know what? It took like almost a year, almost two years of struggles. This is post-complex that I really had these struggles with a lot of brands where, you know, they're sending things off and things don't get posted. Or, you know, and I started to know like where their key initiatives were and like, you know, kind of where the budgets were and how that all worked out. And I'm like, wait, why is it you will spend so much money for somebody who doesn't talk about sneakers to talk about sneakers? But the guy who talks about your brand every day, 15 to 20 times a day, you're not willing to give that the same level of support to us? Mm. 
Like something's out of balance here. And it's like, you can't tell me that, you know, these blogs are not influential. I'm sure you mean could tell you the same thing as me, that we get as much traffic or more than from the city of Beaverton than the rest of the fucking state. There you go. Don't tell Talk me, don't tell me that you're, that we're not influential here. Your company, your own employees are logging on like crazy. Who's the first brand to ever reach out to you? Puma. New Gotay reached out say? to me. He's like, he's like, I love what you do. I love reading this. I want to get, I want to help you however we possibly can. And he reached out to me. Yeah, this is Puma 2007 or something, early 2007. And uh, he sent me the, this is, what was it? He sent me the the Clyde, the Puma Clyde, the Von Baudet, um, mm. the Cheech Wizards, the first ones. Mm. And um, yeah, he was the first brand, to, first brand to reach out. And did yeah. you do some business with them or yeah, Puma is still one of my favorite, one of my favorite groups to work with mm. to this day. I love Puma. Why? You know what? When you set the tone with being the first one to appreciate us, you've got to do a lot to really screw that up. Mm. <laughs> you know, like they just always been great people as well. And I mean, this is not just in the PR and marketing side. This is also on the sales side. Like Scott Saltzman was my sales rep for Puma, a guy from New York here. He's one of my favorite human beings in this industry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like Puma, I think this, like, it's something I've learned over the years is that company culture can, it can really attract the best and make great people even better. And I think that Puma has a really awesome company culture mm-hmm. because I've had nothing but great experiences with everybody I've worked there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you're actually doing something you love. You know, you you create yep. a blog. You you're hiring people. You, you're talking about what you love. You you're getting mm-hmm. product of what you love to review. Mm-hmm. You're creating content. How did how does somebody not get caught up in just being with one brand? Meaning, like right. Adidas saying, because you know, one thing I always give credit to Quark about mm-hmm. is that he's able to work with multiple brands, mm-hmm. and he doesn't go for that shit where they're like, "Hey, if we fuck with you, oh, I see you over here fucking with Adidas. I see you mm-hmm. fucking with Reebok." Have you got that type of drawback from DMV? Oh, I've gotten, I, I won't name names, but I've gotten those calls where I hear through people like, oh, you must have been gotten, you must have been bought out or paid off by this guy. We've always been open to every brand at, from the beginning. And if my writers and myself feel like we're really feeling something, we're really feeling something. Mm. That's not because of money. That's not. You know, and it's like to say that, oh, we must have been pawed out or paid off. Like, dude, that's like one of the like to me, like it's like if you're going to say that about me, I wish I got paid. Mm, mm. I really did. But mm. no. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we've always tried to keep it open with everybody. I think that every brand has the ability to make amazing product. They really do. And it's just whether or not they'll do it. And if they do make it, do they know how to tell the story? the story and captivate the audience you know you know you've been able to do so many things over the years um Mm -hmm. i mean one thing i like is you created a brand you created Mm -hmm. a a a place a home Mm -hmm. but you also were able to work with multiple brands and do things that people haven't done like you know i mean there's more but like that playboy thing (laughs) with the girls on the sneakers how does how does how does how does Playboy respect a sneaker blog, so to speak? And I say that yeah. I love it, what we do and what we are right. in the culture. But they may be like, maybe they don't get it, but they did. How did they get it? 
Um, you know, the photographer, one of the photographers, um, I think his name was Dylan Ryder. Uh, he had actually worked on a shoot at Complex one time. I met him in passing one time, like in the halls or whatever. Um, I was just there by chance. He was there by chance. He was like photo shooting. He was doing a photo shoot with somebody. And like we, you know, like I had his number. We would change, exchange texts every once in a while or whatever. And he's over at Playboy and he had this idea. And, you know, they, he, he was like thinking about doing something around Jordan and whatnot. And, you know, because they're, they're based in Chicago, right? And um, they, or one of their big offices was. And he was like thinking about Jordan. He's like, well, what could we do with Jordan? Cause he's, the, obviously, Playboy's not a brand. Like, Jordan Brand's not going to do a collaboration with Playboy. It's just not going to happen. Um, but he, you know, hit me up <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he was like, hey, what do you think about doing this? I'm like, dude, I'm totally game for this. Let's do it. So I, you know, pulled out all these shoes from the vault and, you know, flew up to Chicago to like hand deliver the the pairs. I was worried about them like breaking in transit and that kind of thing for the photo shoot. And, uh, you know, got the tour of the Playboy offices and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it was a great Was there any puff girls around there? I mean, I was well, I met like two of the models who were for the shoot and it's like, Met them with their tops off like it was just like, you know, two, like Tuesday on a two p- at 2 p.m. Like, like it's no, like just normal. I was so like, for, wow, so totally for, different place. So for people listening who may not know, what you did was you did a photo shoot yep. with, with, with girls and, and, and Playboy girls. But yeah, but it wasn't Playboy girls in shoes. Because mm-hmm. that had been done, that had been done with, well, not Playboy girls, but there had been gr- like girls or models with sneakers yep. on their feet. This one was, let's superimpose girls in poses on the shoes as though those shoes are like, you know, six feet tall and whatever. They're lean, laying over the top of sure. the shoes and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and he had in, so that, that was what the shoot was. Now he was able to get a check for you for that too, yeah, right? Yeah. See, 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 that's a great thing. What's also, cause I may not know all of them. What's also some of the other accomplishments outside of nice things you've been able to create, consult on that you're most proud of today? Man, I mean, you've been on the news. I know that. You've been yeah, the- I mean, done that. Um, I don't even know, man. Like, like I guess at a certain point, it's not that I don't take it for granted. It's that that's not like the the end goal at all. So it's like this is all just part of the journey. Of course. For of me, course. like, I think the most rewarding thing for me now, especially through the ups and downs that I've had, is to get those emails or those DMs from kids in Fresno who say, like, you know, it's really awesome that you – make it known you're from here Mm. and that you let it because he's like this kid said he's like it gives me hope that i can do something great because you did it Mm. Mm. and for me like that's that's what the drive is now for me is really that like when i hear those things you know or even kids from austin like man no one ever thought about us before everybody slept on texas he's like you've done so much for people to you know brands to pay attention to the state that Mm. kind of thing you know, like those those are the things that really drive. Um, but yeah, there've been a lot of great projects, man. How so many, many how many years is Nice Kicks around? Oh, I mean, first registration of the site was what June the eighth of two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. So over fifteen years. Okay. I've been in footwear now sixteen and a half years. March thirtieth, two thousand one was my first day. How many times have you wanted to quit? Maybe doing Nice Kicks. Was there ever any times? I mean, there were a lot of times that it was really tough. What's tough, if you could explain to Tough is like when you're questioning if you should go back to school, that your parents were right, 
but you should do this or you should do that. Or you hear your brother and and your and his wife talk about, you know, their their jobs where they're like, yeah, we have weekends where we don't think about work. I don't know what the hell that's like. I really don't. I don't know what it's like to travel someplace and not look at people's shoes or just like see if you think somebody's about the culture and just like, you know, just give them props on their shoes and, you know, say nice kicks, you know, just for the hell of it. Um, I don't know what that's like, man. It's been this, this has been my life for so long. I don't know any different. And I don't think I'd be ready to just do, I don't know, the nine to five kind of thing. Mm. Is it, you think it's because people, uh, from the generation before us think of success as getting a job, not creating one for yourself? I think that's very often what it is, honestly. I think it's also too, you know, that my parents were both professors and for me to drop out of college and give away a scholarship and all that kind of stuff was like, I remember telling them that. And I, one of the most empowering, you know, things for me at that time, um, literally college dropout album had come out right around Mm. like that same month or whatever. He had a line in there, which was that like, they ask you, have you graduated? No, I decided I was finished. Mm. That line has, I used to joke about it, you know, all the time, but to me, it was a really empowering thing because it wasn't I was a dropout. I made the choice that I didn't need this or that this wasn't for me at this time. Mm. I made that choice. I didn't fail. I made the choice to leave. What, were you ever able to show them that this was this is a real thing? Oh, no. They get it now. They how, definitely How were you get able to now, show yeah. them that just by maybe – Bank account, I don't know, with my dad, bank account, my mom. Like, the thing that kills me the most is, like, my dad couldn't understand how a website could make money if you're not selling something. I'm like, Dad, you are a marketing professor, okay? And I'm talking to him. I'm like, you know what a magazine is? I'm like, he's like, of course I know what a magazine is. I'm like, how do they pay for it? And he's like, off of the advertising. I'm like, yes, Dad, so you see that ad, that banner ad up there. That's my banner. Or that's my ad page. He's like... Sure. But a magazine, like, people hold. I'm like, Dad, you don't get it. Like, people don't, like, you know, I remember being at the kitchen table, and this is, like, in grade five. This is, like, 94. It's the fall of 94 when I talked to him about this. I said, Dad, you know that in the future, you're not going to read your morning newspaper. You're going to get your news on the computer or, or some other device. Like, what are you talking? No way. No, you're always, ever. we've always had the newspaper. He's like my grand or like my father, my grandfather read the newspaper. I'm like, no, dad, like they're saying in the future, you won't, you'll get your news on a computer. You won't have to get it printed on a paper that you hold. Mm. And he's just like, he's like, oh, no, go on, not, not a chance. And, and that's just, been- to me, I think it's like really awesome that his son, who was like telling him this story, is like helped do, you know, lead to something like that. Obviously, sure. not with news, but you know, like with something else, like content that you consume. On a computer or a mobile device. You know, it's funny. Uh, just like radio people, I'll, I'll ask, like, hey, do you think radio is dead? And I know you explained the numbers just, you know, a mm-hmm. moment ago. But do you think that it's impossible to get people off their phones, that it could cause websites to not be visited as much anymore? Oh, I know for a fact it has. Mm. My website, my web traffic is dismal compared to, like, our heyday. But that doesn't mean that we're dismal in terms of the audience. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we're dismal in terms of the engagement. Um, I think that one of the biggest things I made a mistake in myself was that for the longest time, I defined my 
my self-identity personally pegged way too much upon the traffic and audience side, web traffic of nice gigs. That was like almost so much of like what I told myself how good I was as a person or as good I was as a business. Wasn't forget looking at the money. I just care about like what's my comm score? How many page views did I do this month? Like I cared so much about that kind of stuff. And now I and like I went through like, you know, a really depressed state as I saw like traffic dwindling down, dwindling down. Meanwhile, like I remember, you know, people were like, yeah, I mean, you, you're killing it on Instagram. I'm like, I don't, I, whatever. That's, that's, that's the, that's the mobile stuff. I'm talking about the web here. It's like, you know, it's like you come to the realization, like attention is attention. Reach is reach. Audience is audience. Human beings are human beings. And it doesn't matter if they like just are looking at you just on .com or if they're, you know, getting your news and interacting and engaging with you on other platforms. You know, you have to know that that's the future. You know, I, I mean, I find it ironic that I used to be so hell-bent on web traffic numbers, not celebrating the growth we had on social. When if you think about what Nice Kicks was, we were, the disruptor to, we were a disruptor to print. You know, think mm. about the print guys who are so pissed off at these, you know, these young punks created blogs. You ever think of uh, so, back then making a magazine, Nice Kicks? I, so I wanted to create a printed publication of Nice Kicks, ver, printed version, in 2007. And at that time, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do video instead. I was like, I'll put the money behind that instead of print. Um, but um, something you're going to see from us very soon is print. Okay, nice. For me, I think that I've kind of changed the attitude that Nice Kicks is not a website. It might have first appeared as that. But it really, it's just... It's just, I don't know, a brand of publishing. And it's going to be different things in different avenues. And that's going to be different things to different people, I guess. But there's something I find missing in the print world right now. And those who are doing print are killing it. Anybody who says print is dead, I mean, they're, they might be looking at, like, the mass market, like, selling, you know, magazines at the grocery store, like, checkout line. Yeah, that part has kind of gone down quite a bit from its heyday. But quality print is far from dead. And you talk about, you know, right now we, um, for the internet, we had so many years of kind of like the information economy. He who had the information or had, uh, you know, the audience going to consume that information won. Well, now with social, it's kind of the attention economy. It's, it's now how much attention can you get? And literally you have accounts that leverage their perceived following, whether it's real or not, or even if it is real, are there actual, is there actual engagement with it? Um, people leverage, you know, featuring people off of that or featuring brands on that in exchange for other exposure or money. I think that it's, there are trillions of impressions made every day across social media and the web, but I don't know if there are that many deep impressions made with those who are consuming it. Mm. And it's like, are, you know, question I always like to ask, are your impressions making an impression? Mm. And to me, I feel that print as well as live events can make a lasting impression and build a real relationship with your audience that you can't necessarily do when kid is just swiping through his feed. I love that. Are your impressions, impressions making, making an impression? impression? Internets, with that, we're going to go on a quick break. Uh, log on to NiceKicks.com right now. Check out what they got going on. Celebrity Sneaker Store, is that still around? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's, that, what's the uh, on-feet one, the NBA? Was that? Kicks on Court. Kicks on Court. Come, come on. 
Yeah. Come on. Listen, Internet, we're sitting here with the founder of Nice6.com, my guy, Matt Halfhill. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Cheer. It's your boy, Brooklyn's finest, New York Giant God's favorite DJ, Clark Kent. You are listening to the Premium Peach Show. Pay attention. Internet, we all need to take a little bit better care of ourselves, and our mental health is no exception. That's why I'm so excited about today's sponsor, Talkspace. Because let me tell you, sometimes you take a long time in life to realize that health is wealth. Health is dope. Health is official. You know, it's not only about what you eat. It's also your mind, your vibe, and how you move. That's why Talkspace is an online therapy company. It makes it easy to connect with an experienced licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. You can send your therapist text, audio, and video messages. Or check this out. Even do a live video chat. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and go through a rigorous screening process in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. Let me tell you something. I want to get you a code. I want to get you a discount. Head on over to Talkspace.com forward slash Pete. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code Pete, that's P-E-T-E, to get $30 off your first month. So head on over to Talkspace.com forward slash Pete and make sure you support them. Cheer. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back. Sitting here with my guy, Matt Halfhill. Okay. Yes, sir. M.H., or, or better known as Big Sexy. Big, oh man, that story. Big, that is a story. Big Sexy, Jerry Yo, uh, Jerry Rice name. Jerry that, Rice right? gave me that nickname, yes. Could you believe what sneakers have done? Sneakers have done a lot of dope things. Let me tell you, you know one thing I always say about sneakers? I particularly, you know, in the beginning didn't always make money through sneakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, then over the years, there's been times I have. Right. Yeah. Um, but the relationships I have and the things Dude, I've been able to do, so like wild. you know, you know what I say to myself. Besides everything else I I've done, because of sneakers, I literally can touch down in any city and know somebody. Yeah, and someone could, and possibly that person, a sneaker guy, is a local guy. So yeah. you know what I mean. They'll show me where the food spots are. Or show me the local sneaker shops. Yep. Like it is amazing that a common bond. Mm-hmm. Between sneakers can open up so many relationships. And one thing I really admire about sneakers that people don't talk too much about is how you could become friends with people at a later age better Mm -hmm. than the people you grew up with. Without question. Crazy. Without question. Crazy when you think of it. I mean, the people I've met through sneakers, it's it's like... We're literally talking about around the globe. Sneakers have taken me around the globe. I've had sneakers that, because of sneakers, I've been flown to. I've flown to things like in the Philippines, in Hong Kong, you know, all across Europe. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm about to go down to Australia for the first time. Why? Because Woody's 15 year anniversary of Sneaker, Sneaker Freaker, Freaker is yeah. down there. This in Melbourne, and it's like I've never been. I'm like, man, what better time to go down there? And it's like, you know, Woody guy met online for years before we even met face to face. True. You know, all these people that I've known for so many years and because of sneakers. And it's like how we met. Yeah. You know, like I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean, one thing that I really enjoy is that a lot of these okay, evolving in something is amazing. Uh-huh. Okay. Maybe I don't know if people even plan to evolve, but it happens. Right. And if you get in front of it, amazing things happen. You look at it like you had your own sneaker with Ronnie yeah. very early on, Ronnie Fag. Before Kith. Before Kith. Think about it. Even like you talk about Woody. Yeah. He's had his own sneaker now. Yeah. You know, more importantly, you think about people who started magazines like Yu Ming, but you did your own store. Yeah. 
and then we're able to parlay into multiple stores, right? Right. You know, explain to us how this even happened. So I always wanted to do a store mm-hmm. forever. And, I, you know, like when I was a kid working at an Athletes World, I always thought like, oh, you know, I'd like to do – if I had a store, I'd do it this way kind of thing. And, you know, i kind of gone away from retail for a while until I started the blog and I was working more with stores than with brands. Remember, brands didn't even know what the hell I was or what I was doing. And this was also at the era when, you know, the restrictions that Nike put on their retailers were probably not legal, but also so asinine at the time that a boutique would get in trouble if they let me take a picture of a product they were selling in their store. (laughs) I remember going to Goodfoot in Vancouver and the manager at the time, what was his name? Um, Was it? Was it free? No, I can't remember his name. Anyways. They wouldn't let me take my. They wouldn't even like take a picture. You know, like I, I asked for permission. They're like, no, 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 can't let you do it. He's like, I'll, I'll send you pictures of the, of the shop. I think, was just wanting to take pictures of the shop. Do you think that was the brand that was doing that? Today? No, they told me it was the brand. I've heard. I mean, well, Ray, when he, he, he how he got started was he was taking pictures in a in the dressing room at Nort Recon, mm. but he had to take pictures in the dressing room mm. and not tell where he was taking the pictures. I remember boutiques. They were like, no, don't shout me out. Just please don't shout me out. I'm like, but the product's already released. They're like, yeah, but sometimes the brands get funny about us allowing pictures to be taken of their product. What was, one thing I think uh, Jordan, I think it was maybe Nike that I feel created the rule that is the most stupid thing in this world. I want your opinion. You can't sell online if you're... So... Uh, yes. So Nike could, did not authorize in the U.S. market boutiques to sell online. We were the fir- like the second boutique that was allowed to sell online. First was undefeated. They had had that forever. We were the second boutique that was ever allowed to sell Nike online. I remember pitching to Nike. I was go- I went up there in 2010 after I opened the store, pitching them marketing concepts and plans we could do together. And you know, one of the guys in the room said like. You know, it's really interesting that out of all of this stuff and you have such this huge website and all this audience, you never talked about selling any Nike online. I was like, I didn't know that was an opportunity. It's like anything can happen. Mm. And I was like, what? Because like when I had started the store, I pretty much accepted I'd never be able to sell Nike online. I could sell it by phone, but I couldn't sell it online. Don't you and think that's fucking dumb? Well, in Europe, you could because European Union did not allow brands to tell retailers in the European Union how you could or couldn't sell a product. Actually, in the European Union, there's no such thing as MSRP because no brand can tell a retailer who's paid for a product what they can sell it for. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. Keep in mind, Mm -hmm. right? Boutiques are small businesses, right? You get a Nike bill, uh, you know, you got to pay that fucking thing. Oh, yeah. Before you get a Nike bill, the next month's fucking shipment is already in. Oh, of course. So maybe you got to put shit on clearance, Okay, because yeah. not everything is the great stuff. No. Okay, so you may have like you know Amex ninety seven or Amex ninety. I mean, footwear is such a thing where even if you had all the great stuff, you're going to get stuck with odds and ends of sizes. Because remember, you're right. You're buying a size run of shoes. Sure. And you can pretty much get down to the science of like, you know, like okay, Air Maxes tend to sell more in this or that or you know that kind of sizes, but. Dude, you're, even your greatest shoe, you're going to get stuck with that lone pair, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, I really hate to ever mark this one down, but you're going to have to eventually. And then here it comes. Yeah. Foot Locker, the bigger dogs, yeah, Foot yeah. Action or, or, or Finish Line, they put that same shoe 
that you can't get rid of on sale. Or they have the luxury of RTV, which I never had the entire time I had a store. Oh, returning it. Return to vendor. Yeah. Yeah. which was that if that stuff didn't move after a certain amount of time, sure. they also had the leverage that they could tell a brand, the brand, look, you got to mark this down. Well, when you when a, when a big company like a Foot Locker is marking it down, guess what's also getting knocked down? The invoice mm. with the brand, with mm. Nike or with Adidas or whomever, you know, because the brand doesn't want the shoe being shipped back. They'd much rather it sell and they cut their the invoice price or give them an invoice credit saying, okay, fine, fine. Cut it. We'll we'll sell you these prices. That, we'll sell it to you at this price for all the pairs you've sold. All the future product that has not sold yet, we will make this the new invoice price. Mm. Like they, and when you are a big company, you have that kind of leverage. Sure. But as an independent, no, you don't even have the option to have that conversation. People uh, want to open boutiques. It's it's been a thing for years. People think it's it'll a cool never thing end. To do, yes, right. What's the hardest thing that you ever dealt with, or or that you came across by opening a boutique? You know, we had the luxury of that we had built enough of a brand online that we when we wanted to do things offline, we already had we were known by the brands. And we were actually able to open with Nike. We were we actually had we opened day 1 with Nike product as an account that we hadn't even paid the inv- the invoice on yet. Like it was still on the the 90-day credit. It was still there, you know, like that was absolutely unheard of that i don't even think it had even happened yet that a boutique had opened with nike on the wall that hadn't even been paid for Mm. and um so we had the luxury of that but when it comes to running a boutique or any retail store today you know a lot of times brands were able or sorry boutiques were able to live off of the success and the draw of the product they had in their stores to, to stay in business where ones who will fail are ones who don't create a brand around their stores and don't create a, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the experience, you know, the, um, the, the soft goods like t-shirts and hats that they sell with their brand name on it is that they aren't creating a branded experience that is unique to them that you can only get in their space. If you are not off, if your point of sale whether it's sneakers or any other type of retail store in this day and age, if you are no better than the products between your walls, you will fail. Mm. How many nice kick stores are there? Uh, right now there are three. Mm. Yeah. Now, is there plans to open up more? Um, I'm not sure if they're going to go with more. You know, I th- There's definitely been talks of it. Um, but frankly, like I think that unless things really change in the retail setting with those stores, it's going to be hard to grow. So it's right now it's a franchise deal with those with the with the group who has, who operates the retail side um, of Nice Kicks. Yeah, of Nice Kicks. Now, so I've I've stepped out of retail. How did, since how did that opportunity even happen? Um, just a series of phone calls. Um, you know, talked to an individual um, at a at uh, who was a, one of the owners of Shoe Palace, mm-hmm. and uh, you know had interest in wanting to basically fund my vision of growing the stores into being something bigger, and you know, and whatnot, but. So you know, my question is: is is you you never did that before? Meaning, like you know, how, how do you know to strike a deal to be in your favor? You know what I mean? And I didn't do it. You didn't? I don't think that I. I would say that the retail deal did happen. Is it? The, did it work the way I wanted it to? No, mm. definitely not. And I think that's been my biggest lesson learned, which is that. You have to be 100% in control if you want to be in 100% control. Or you've got to have, oh, my gosh, 
you know, tons of paperwork that makes sure it really protects your interests, not just financially, but just, you know, making sure that you have the, the, the veto power over things or whatnot. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, when we talk about complex, you were the first site on complex. Mm-hmm. You spent mm-hmm. many years there. Many lot, years. Yes. Rich says hello, by the way. Yeah. I was talking with him last night. Big Rich. Listen, yeah. people love his episode. He's a person that doesn't talk too much. Um, man, Rich is a good person, man. Yeah. Um, you left complex. I did. It, and it, what was the reason why you wanted to grow? I don't want to go too much into that. Okay. I mean, there, um, you know, that was in the. I, wait, hold up. Yeah, First yeah. of all, I want to do say this. I admire you in the sense of you left complex, but you always have been a stand up guy. You know, sometimes people leave places and it's like almost like, you know, oh, we don't fuck with them no more. Or, right. or, or not meaning only you, it could be their side, your side. But all I see is respect from yeah. every one of them. And to you, and same from you to every one of them. Yeah, is it just you wanted to move on to something? Better? I think that I think that at that time, you know, there were a lot of things going on in my life at that time. Um, you know, on the personal side of things, that I think definitely did cloud my decision making, as well as maybe push my hand a little bit on the business side. But I think that at that time, I was ready to do something different with nice kicks than I thought, you know, complex might've wanted to do with nice kicks. And I think that complex was, I saw at that time that nice, that complex was definitely a growing media company. And there was even, you know, serious conversation about an acquisition. Mm. Like Um, they did with Soul Collector. Before that. Mm. And, um, it was actually after the acquisition of Soul Collector that I started to see, I don't think I want to be acquired by complex and i i don't know there were just some things that i kind of saw right off the bat and uh i know that you know i think they had just they had just received a big round of funding too with an, n- another group and i know like you know whenever there's there's you know funding involved with with big groups is that it definitely pushes businesses to grow to to be profitable grow in grow revenues do a lot of those things that's why they're the money's there to begin with um i think that had we continued to work with Complex at that time and continued to um, be with them, I think that Nice Kicks would definitely be much more of a media play than trying to be, I don't know, more of a sneaker play. Mm. I think it would have been a pivotal moment where things would have gone much more the media direction than about sneakers. And I think that that's, I I, I don't know, I just wasn't, I just, I, I wanted more to go back to shoes than to, you know, the the media part of the business. And where you went, w- w- was that something that you felt? It uh... was some play. It, honestly, like, you know, I, I definitely respect my the the people I was working with there. I, we were definitely a new anomaly to their, to their network. Um, mm-hmm. They were, you know, they had wanted to go into more things around Nice Kicks. You know, like Dime had followed suit and came over to the network we were with, Woven Digital, who's now Uproxx. Or they acquired Uprox. Now it's known as Uprox Media. Um, I just don't feel like they really had enough to invest into our space, so it didn't work out the way I really was sold. You know, told it would, and you know, I, I think that you know, like they definitely went within the best of intentions. So did I, um, kind of thing. We kind of wanted to be. It was great there because we were being able to actually work on all the RFPs um, and all of the ad campaigns with the brands. You know, before when we were with Complex, that was all handled really internally at Complex by them. Um, And here we were actually part of that process. So it allowed us to get closer to a part of the 
the brands, the businesses, and the agencies we had done lots of business with, but didn't have one-to-one phone calls with, didn't have ideation, you know, meetings sure. about campaigns. And, you know, for us, it allowed us to create campaigns around uh, for brands that we would have never done before. Like we did ones where like really creative stuff, tying sneakers to, you know, CPG brands, mm. you know. So I think that was something that was very – it helped develop us in a big way. Was there struggles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but did it help? me and my team develop 100%. You know, there's a lot of talent that uh, came through Nice Kicks. It's incredible. Uh, you even look at Pierce Simpson. Pierce. You know, and, and, and what he's doing. The know? head, of, One of the heads at over at um, uh, Nike Sneakers. Yeah. Is, uh, she was with Nice Kicks. She yeah. was killing it. And, uh, you know, she's there. And uh, Nick Angvall, been in the yep. industry ever since. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, man. You know, pretty amazing. One thing, um, and and this is nice kicks with George Keel. Uh huh. You know, uh, the video presence was amazing. Uh huh. Um, whatever happened part of ways or whatever. Uh-huh. Why haven't you done any more video? I, I want it. So, video is tough because I'll tell you something about video that I'm sure you probably know. It's very expensive to do, mm-hmm. and. I had funded video for three, four years without, you know, without really, without a sponsor. We didn't have one sponsor for all that time. We were just off of like the YouTube, like CPM or whatever to, to operate that. And that's not a positive game when you have full-time video and full-time talent. It just isn't. Um, so it's like, how much longer can you take losses and invest in that? Um, to me, I kind of – I thought the Sneak Peek series was really awesome, but I do think that things – like what I want to do with video going forward is going to be different than what you've seen before. I already have a couple pilots. I was actually up here watching at the editing – or at the uh, – in the editing bay with a group who filmed a bunch of nice. – pilots, like several pilots for us already. Um, it's definitely going to be different from anything else you're seeing online um on youtube for sure with when it comes to sneakers i think sneakers kind of pivoted to a point of look at me look what i have kind of thing and i'm not i don't really like that you know and i i I hope that in no way did did sneak peek contribute to that because i think that's a really wrong way to look at this this market this is you know i whilst people can be proud of what they have it should never be like all for attention kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like right now, especially on YouTube, there's a lot of videos that are done because they want attention, not because they wanted to add much value mm-hmm. to the, make, to the an, make an impression with your... Yeah. What, what, what's the slogan again? Are your impressions making an impression? Okay, there you go. You know, um, moving forward with... When you think about, like, Adidas and its mm-hmm. resurgence... Oh, man. And I don't even want to give this guy credit, but somebody like this guy, Matt Powell, uh-huh. okay, who says uh, he's like a, um, uh, I don't even know what his analyst. title is, an analyst. Yeah. He says Kanye West is not an influence on Adidas's resurgence. I, is that the stupidest thing you ever heard? Can I swear on that? Yeah, sure. That's absolute fucking bullshit. Are you, like, are you kidding me? He made some, He made something that was a... A a cushioning system, cool. Mm. When was comfortable things 
cool ever in history? When was full-length technology ever a cool thing? Mm. Like, a really cool thing. Like, you think about full-length Max Air, full-length Shocks, full-length Zig, Spring Blade, you name them. We've had a million of them. You could even include shape-ups in that if you want to. But that has never been cool. Kanye, with when he made, when Kanye had boost in his shoes, and it was the Yeezy boost, to me, that was very much a parallel to what Michael Jordan was to Air. Mm. Air had been around for six years before Michael Jordan ever had a pair of shoes with Air in them. You know, it came out in 79 in the uh, Tailwinds. It was in basketball, introduced in 82 with the Air Force One. But it wasn't until 85 when it was the Air Jordan came out that Air was something so was cool. And it was so cool, thanks to Mike, that then it was put on display later in 87 with the Air Max One. Mm. Kanye did that for Adidas. He didn't create Boost, right? He didn't make it. It had been around since 2013. In fact, they had created it and then went away from sure, it. Sure, they went away from it. They yeah. went away from the – like I remember when we first tried on the Energy Boost, we are like, this is amazing. And then they were like all pushing the spring. We were like, no, what are you doing? No, you just like created the most comfortable thing ever and you went away from it. And then thankfully they went back. And I think that when Kanye wore those Ultra Boosts and it was known that they were the Yeezy Boost – he made he he made it okay for every kid to think that Boost was cool, and uh, he aligned with it. And then what it was is it wasn't just because of that. I still think it comes down to the product. You know, I remember the early days of Ultra Boost before Kanye was wearing it. You know, people it was pretty much like just like guys who either like had some connection at Adidas or had tried on the shoes because they worked at a finish line. They're talking on Twitter like, "Oh my gosh, this is the most amazing shoe ever." And we were like, ah, yo, like, look at it, $180 shoe, especially when at that time all the photos were white stock photos. And you know how the toe would, like, roll up? You're like, yo, I'm not wearing elf shoes. Like, come on, man, I'm not doing that. But then they're like, no, 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 try it on and then get back to me. Mm. And I remember I heard that. So he's like, no, 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 try on the Ultra Boost, then get back to me. And I tried on the Ultra Boost the first time, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this is unlike anything I've ever felt. You know, energy boost wasn't that thick and you mostly felt in the heel. Very thin in the forefoot if it was even there, if I recall. No, it was very thin. You put on the ultra boost, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a whole new feeling. I didn't think a shoes could ever feel like this. And it's important to be fresh and comfortable at the same time. Something that I think we strayed away from as a culture of people who love sneakers. We always thought there was one or the other. Yeah. It's not mutually exclusive. Like, yo, I'm going to look good, but my feet are fucking killing me. I mean, I'm wearing Superstars right now, the Superstar mm. boots mm. that a whole lot of people slept on, which I was very happy to pick up on, 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 on sale. But, like, to me, I've got full-length boost in a Superstar 80 Mm, All right. So mm. I'm not even sacrificing going to a superstar too. I've got the gold foil tongue. I got the eighties outsole, got the cream rubber like this. The leather's amazing. And I got full length boost. What else would I need? You know, when we think about Adidas resurgence and think about Nike and Jordan brand, Uh do you you think that they made them scramble a little bit? Oh, I know they did. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, Nike, I don't think Nike had ever felt any sort of pressure from competition like this in their history, to be honest. I really – maybe since, what, Reebok a little bit in the 90s, I don't think they felt competition like this. 
And this is like this is serious competition. This is, I mean, this is a big, big innovation with that with the with Boost. Mm. You know, and I they, always say it's like walking on marshmallows. I tell you know, I tell people it's like walking on pillows. You know, it's that comfortable. And I think that you know, when you're younger, like I always tell the story. I never forget when I was able to get a pair of Jordans at a young age. And again, I'll preface it. Uh, you weren't worried if it sold out. You were just worried if you had enough money because it was on Yo, the show. Yo, I mean, exactly. You know, exactly. But I'll never forget, like, I remember they came out with this Jordan. I think it may have been, like, a Jordan 4 or, or, or 5. It's a classic photo of you in the 4s, by the way. Yeah, I do have a Which classic. played, I think, played a lot into Throwback Thursday. We'll talk about that a Yeah, bit. of course. But I think I remember telling my mother, and, and the guy came out and was like, I think I wore, like, maybe an, an 8 at that time or something, or a 7 and a half. And the guy was like, we only have a, a size 10. And I was like, I'll take <laughs> I'll it. I'll take it. And, and, and my mom was like, you don't wear a 10. And I was like, you know, I didn't give a fuck. I just needed to have them. Right. And, and you know, I think about it now. Even, and that's vice versa. I've done that where it was too small and I've my feet were too. killing me. I've done that too. Yep. So the point I'm making is that we live in a day and age now where people could look fresh and be comfortable. Come on, man. I know. It, it can't get any better than that. No. But switching place, I do want to say this. I was on, um, what the fuck is that name of the podcast? Uh, Sneak This Podcast. Sneak This, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, shout out to the guys over there. And we were talking about a costume, meaning today it's weird. And, and tell me if you feel the same about this. We walk down the street, we see somebody with a pair of Supreme, uh, uh, Dude. you know, Jordans. Yo. Or we see somebody with Ultra Boost. Or we see somebody with, 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 with a pair of LeBrons from, you know, uh, um, Fruity Pebbles. Whatever. Whatever we see. Nike SBs, Mark and Mindy's, Dinosaur Juniors, whatever the fuck we see, any of these sneakers I'm mentioning, we automatically think they're part of the culture, right? But what I'm trying to tell you is that it's not I look that at way. somebody like you who's been around for years, people like Clark have been around for years, tons of people have been around loving sneakers for years in this culture. But today, if you don't know the backstory of anybody, you automatically will think that this kid... Has been doing it for years. And there's nothing wrong if he right. hasn't. But the point I'm trying to make is it's almost like people could buy something the day of, go somewhere, and automatically try to fit in. And I, be looked upon like he's one of us. I remember the time when if you saw a rare pair of PEs on somebody's – or just any PE for that matter, that guy knew somebody who knew somebody. Sure. No questions asked. And it, it, it how many people he knew and how good of a friend he was – change the difference on did he pay $600 for that PE? Or, or, or Yeah, exactly. Now I feel like we're in an era where everybody buys their way into attention no matter what the product is. I feel like, you know, it's the attention economy. People on Instagram spend money to buy their attention. And to me that is one thing that, like, I felt we were kind of going down that road a little too much with the, like there were some great stories with Sneak Peek, but I always saw like, the ones that were like doing sometimes the best were the ones where it was just like, you know, of course, if you've got infinite amount of money, you can have a sneaker closet with the most amazing shoes. Like, sure. Not hard, right? I think that a lot of times now you see, like you mentioned that kid was Supreme. I don't know what I think of when I see a kid wearing Supreme and a pair of Yeezys anymore. You know, is that a kid a reseller and that's the one hoodie he didn't resell? Or is this kid like, does he even, does he even really know, did he know Supreme before he saw it on Instagram. You, you know, know, sometimes people's rebuttals, not to cut you up, yeah. but sometimes people rebuttals like, nah, I just like the hoodie. 
Okay, but if you like the hoodie, you twelve hundred dollars liked it. That's what I'm <laughs> that's trying to say. <laughs> there had to be an inkling that you were like, yo, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, this is what's in, and 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 I just feel like that is the wrong message to send. But yeah. at the end of the day, we're not gonna. Fu- I'm not gonna be a fucking uh, um, uh, a grandfather fucking sneaker, uh, uh, you know, therapist. Right. Listen, biggest uh, mistake that you made in business thus far. Biggest mistake. That you learn from. Mm. Man. Read every sentence very carefully in every contract. There have been two contracts where it was literally like one line that could be interpreted one way or the other. And it's like, are you either going to coin flip? Are you going to sweat each other out in legal paperwork? Or are you going to let a judge decide it? Mm-hmm. Analyze every line, like there's no tomorrow. Mm. Also, too, this was this one was given word of wisdom that was given to me by Seth Gersberg, who um, was co-founder of Echo Unlimited that I worked for in 2011. Um, I did consulting with him, mm-hmm. and uh, he told me, "Remember, your value is not what's good for you; it's how much are you worth to the other party losing you? Mm. How much are you worth to them?" He's like, very often, you'll price yourself one way, but he's like, you're probably worth more to them than than that. Mm. So mm. now let's was... uh, now let's get the flip side. What yeah. is what is the most memorable moment? Oh my gosh, man! I mean, I'm sure there's so many. There's so but then many. Go ahead, and knock some, knock some out. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> there's so many great encounters and stories for me personally, like. I wouldn't have met my kids if it wasn't for sneakers, or mm. I wouldn't have had kids if it wasn't for sneakers. I'm, I, my ex and I wouldn't have met if it wasn't for shoes. Um, I would so say you created that, a family off of sneakers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, think like, about that. We, we had met talking about an Air Max ninety seven, like shit. Um, and even though the marriage, you know, didn't work out, like it was still a you know great, you sure. know, many great years and four and kids. You, and you created like, four amazing people yeah. that that are, are that you're gonna watch grow up and, and yeah. And it's you know it's funny because like I do everything to like almost like not want my kids to think about shoes or sneakers or whatever. But of course you you love it when you know your your ten year old starts loving a certain brand and you know get, takes interest in the product. And I remember you know like my daughter made a video of like her favorite Adidas shoes and her favorite Adidas sweatshirt, and she like did this whole mashup in iMovie, all this stuff without me knowing. Mm. And, you know, she sent, she showed it to me and, you know, I sent it off to like all my friends over at Adidas and, you know, like it was really awesome that they, you know, said like their comments that I like showed her and that kind of thing. And just to see that reaction was, was so priceless. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it's funny cause I believe that when, when you have kids, it's like, you know, I wanted my daughter to love sneakers. She loved Uggs. Right. And she loved, you know, flats. And, could have been and worse pumps. than yeah. Uggs, dude. It could, it, it could have been. But for years. And then once I mean, you know, you know what's one of my favorite things? It's, so my brother and I always dog my mom for wearing Skechers. Like, we're like, Mom, please, there's got to be something better than this. Like, we, we're going to get you something better. We're gonna get you're you making boost. us look bad out here. Yeah, you're looking at, making us look bad here. And then it's so funny because now my kids, like, you know, if, if we're with Uncle Mark. They're like, 
you know, like talking about their shoes are like, yeah, but we're not wearing Skechers. This family doesn't wear Skechers. And it's how, so funny something. to see that. How is, isn't Skechers like the set number two brand in the world and number one? Or? And second or third in the U.S., not in the world, but how, in the U.S. How is that? Look, they corner the market in selling affordable shoes to an audience and, you know, their distribution is a large part of that. They're going to a lot of places every other brand is looking at is not very sexy. Mm. You know, like, I, I remember that, I think I had read, they are the number one selling shoe brand in the, in the city of Las Vegas. Well, think about it. You have all these people coming in from out of town, a lot of them from just all different parts of America, middle America. They go there, they didn't bring the right shoes or the, or the sneakers they did bring beat out just like any shoe would after a day of walking. They find a Skechers store, they put on this soft foam shoe that is super wide fitting so that anybody's foot can fit in it. Oh my gosh, the most amazing thing, let me buy them. They sell off of the try-on. You mm. know, like if you try on a pair of Skechers, they feel really great. Now you go walk like, you know... Like I did today all around Manhattan to Bushwick and back. Yeah, your feet are probably going to be screaming. Mm. But when you try them on, they feel really For good. the moment. Yeah, for the you moment. You know, and also keep in mind, you know, I think that when people, people, uh, uh, you know, in, in the sneaker culture almost forget everybody wears sneakers. Everybody wears shoes. I mean, that's the one. So when you're talking about like the connections that we have to, to so many people through sneakers, I think that there's like this philosophical thing about shoes that I really love is that the sne- sneakers are our connection to this planet. It's the only thing that separates our body from the, all, the from the same planet all of us walk on. Mm. It's our shoes. Mm. There's nothing else that we wear that does that. Mm. Mm. Well, hey, when you look at it like that, that's true. You know, um, when we look at brands that that copy shit, mm-hmm. Skechers particularly. Oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, I can't think the of how many Yeezys. Oh God, my how bad is gosh! It? There also, was a brand. There was a brand. Uh, was it? Who was the brand? Like Gourmet was it called? Uh, they used oh to man, make, like, Gourmet was great. Jordan Nine. Here's the thing. Went, here's the thing. Buscemi named the shoes the Cease and the Desisto. Desisto. In the complex interview, he forgot he called it Desisto. Yeah. Yeah. It was the the Cease and Desisto. Yeah, but you it know, like, you know, have you ever had brands come to you with stuff that was like mocked like that, meaning like you know looked exactly like a Jordan? Oh, I mean, we've had so many things that were like you know, they email in and we're like, either a we're not running it. Usually, those brands, it's like, come on, it's like wh- who's that going to service anyways? You know, our buyers, our readers aren't going to buy into that anyways. Um, but we've been we've been listed in a number of lawsuits, not as a party, but our website has been used as evidence in a number of lawsuits over copied designs. Mm. A lot of times brands were listing they found because it. they found out about because of us or they would list our comment section or they said this trusted publication pointed out that these are the similarities between the two. Like Because our written thing is is written record to submit into evidence. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there were the cases between what was the first one that I really remember was Louis Vuitton and, um, and New Balance mm. when they had made something that was very eerily similar to the 574. Uh, I got a call from like a legal department, like, Hey, and I was like, Oh my God, what'd I do? And then, uh, but no, it was, it was over that. You know how, um, having breaking a photo, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Of, of, of something that hasn't came out yet. Yeah. 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 It's still amazing. Yeah, a nice kick has nice kick has has a bunch of them on the. We've had belt. a group, yeah. The Louis Vuitton price list was probably the most epic one of those. How how does that even happen anymore these days? Today, I mean, here's the biggest problem. Today. So first off, we don't even really run the leaks that much. 
because a you can't generally you can't verify the authenticity of the product um with those you know the way that it's done now is like you know, it used to be you'd get a grainy cell phone camera from a factory in China. It's like, well, what can you do with it anyway? It's like no one can even really pick out what shoe it is. You couldn't even necessarily see a logo sure. on it. But now cameras are so good. You know, like I don't even use my mirrorless camera anymore. I just use my iPhone yeah, on it's crazy. all the time. You, even the portrait on the, the I don't have – see, I'm on an iPhone 6. I don't oh, even have a 6S. Yeah, dudes, I need to totally upgrade. Listen, so, petty like, cash, okay? Man. Use the petty cash. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as we wind this episode down, um, where do you see sneakers as a whole, as a culture yeah. going? I see that a lot of the visitors are going to exit stage left pretty soon. Mm. I think that there are a lot of people who came into this thing very recently within like the past couple of years. And what was their first touch point into shoes? Was their first touch point into a deep conversation with, you know, a cousin about a pair of shoes or was their first touch point into sneakers was, oh, this guy I follow that everybody says he's really popular. He wears this shoe. So I, I, I wanted to find out about them or I bought them because of that. And I think that you have a lot of people who have a really shallow foundation into sneakers. I don't think they're going to be here for very long. Mm. Um, I don't think they're going to be the ones that become future OGs, really. There are some who will. Don't get me wrong. It's not all the young kids. There are a lot that have come into it very recently and I don't think that they have a deep connection like you and I have to mm. the shoes. Mm. And if you don't have a deep connection, I think something else will get your interest. You know, once upon a time, there were this there was this car audio, car rims industry all around the the, the country. So many kids get a car. First thing you got to do, buy the rims, get the the system upgrade, all that stuff. TVs, yeah. But if you didn't have a really big, deep, you know, rooted connection to custom car culture when it came time to choose between rent payments and you know buying something for your car you were probably more likely to choose rent Mm. or something like that i think that it was very easy to leave it was very easy to leave a culture if you weren't really deeply ingrained into it Mm. and i think right now in footwear uh there will be some contraction i'm already interested to see i'm really interested to see how fashion culture does with sneakers in the years ahead. I think we're going to see a downturn in that in that market. You know, a lot of guys you go like you go to LA, you go to Beverly Center, you go out um to some of these Westfield malls in the West End like you'll you'll see guys who are obviously like, you know, visiting from overseas, they're wearing Yeezys and whatnot. But these are the these guys were probably wearing Louis Vuitton loafers 2 years ago kind of mm. thing, buying luxury fashion shoes and that kind of thing and I'm really interested to see how with Balenciaga Triple S coming, how it has. We're starting to see the fashion sneakers. High-end fashion? Yeah, the high-end fashion really going in a different direction that I don't think the Nikes and Adidas's of the world are going to go. And I think that when that that happens, fashion will go back to fashion and sneakers will need to start selling shoes to 16-year-olds. And you're not going to have the same overlap like you've had over the past two or three years. Mm. And in the same sentence, mm-hmm. what do you? Where is Nice Kicks heading? Nice Kicks is looking to build a much bigger, deeper relationship. However, we can with people. Um, you know, one of the things that you know, I talked about the magazine, and you know, allude a little bit to the events. You know, I think that next year we'll remember 2018 in our company's history is like this is the year we went offline, and 
put a lot of energy into that. I think that, you know, like it always gets people when I say like, you know, this Instagram stuff is a little overhyped. They're like, wow, you say that you have like almost 3 million followers. I'm like, yeah, it is overhyped. I do think that there is too much put on it. I think that, you know, we need to build connections and relationships that last a lot longer than just a quick impression. Mm, mm. And that means a lot. You know, um, when you think about it, if you could go back and change mm-hmm. anything, would you? No. God, no. I was talking about this uh, just outside earlier. Life is a bunch of forks in the roads. You know, every decision you make, even when you go to the counter and you're going to order this or that, you're making, you're dropping a fork in the road. And, you know, I, I made a decision for myself personally about four and a half months ago that I was, I chose vegetarian or vegan rather than the traditional norm. And today I'm 40 pounds lighter than mm. I was four and a half months ago. Congratulations. And that's, and that's just from, that's one fork. <laughs> well, figuratively there, um, but and, and literally as well. But I think that I don't regret a damn thing because every mis- perceived quote mistake has been a very valuable lesson. Mm. And it's, it's, it's preparing me for bigger decisions down the road. Mm. Well, listen, a mistake ain't a mistake if you learn from it. You know, you did say something to me the other day. You said that you either tell me I I played a role in something or you said you tell me on the podcast. Yes. I I said, listen, I can't forget that. I got to hear it. So you'd you'd mentioned the the picture of you with the Jordan Force. I'm remembering the one with you and the dirt bike or whatever. 23 with the 23 in front. Yes. So Throwback Thursday started as a column on Nice Kicks. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't – you know, I had – I remember like in like 2010 or 11, I was like getting angry because it was starting to become something different. I was, no, it was like 2011 or 2012. Anyway, it's like when Instagram kind of took over Throwback Thursday mm-hmm. as a hashtag. And, um, you know, CNN, we got reached out to by CNN or MSNBC years ago about that they had traced back that we were the original source on the internet about Throwback Thursday. But I remember that something that started happening on Twitter on Thursdays when we would talk about the shoes on the site is that people started posting pictures of their shoes that were either on the throwback Thursday, like, yo, I've had these before, or some people would post pictures of themselves wearing the shoes. And I remember you had posted a picture of yourself wearing the Air Jordan 4 on throwback Thursday with the hashtag throwback Thursday. And I felt like that was a catalyst for, because I mean, your audience is Far beyond just sneakers. Sure. I think that was a very pivotal point for what Throwback Thursday was at that time. And this was at TwitPick. This is before Instagram. Yeah. And it was on Twitter. And I think that that was a big moment for Throwback Thursday going into things outside of just the sneaker world. Mm. So, Mm. yeah. Hey, listen, I'm I'm glad to hear that, you know. Uh, as As many know, and for those who don't know, at Nice Kicks on Twitter, at Nice Kicks on Instagram... Matt half hill straight up. Yep, Matt half as a H A L F. Yep, half like fifty percent hill like a small mountain. I don't know how many times I've said that on the phone <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, listen, as as we wind this down, um, somebody who's listened to this episode, young entrepreneur in, in the making, maybe somebody who is thinking about getting into sneaker blogging or the sneaker business or or creating something, or maybe somebody who has created something but it's kind of mm-hmm. stagnant. What's some words of advice you have for them? Don't ever give up on what you what you want to do. Mm. Don't ever give up. Life is short, but it's also very long. You know, I think so often we 
put the pressures on ourselves to achieve what we think is our goal way too quickly. And honestly, Nice Cakes was supposed to earn me 40 bucks every two weeks so I could pay for gas while I went to college. Mm. It didn't work out that way. Mm. Hey, listen, ain't nothing better than that. Internets, listen, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode with my guy Matt Halfhill, NiceKicks.com. They, 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 they've done a lot, but they're doing more, okay? They're doing more. And Far this is the finished. last thing last thing I have for you. Um, Ten plus years. Mm-hmm. Did you think about the future? Meaning, are you a planner or you just went with each year or like how? I, I think, I think, I, you know, no. I never, I mean, I had like the dreams of this or that. I never thought like that. You know, I think that, and I know that this is a fact for a lot of businesses. It's like we didn't plan on doing this or that. We, we got up the, each day and we, we wanted to do better than the day we did before. And we had projects we were working on. And I think from the success of those projects, those might have been little forks in the road for us to go different directions. But I think that our greatest thing that we've ever done, I haven't thought of yet. Mm. Well, and, and, and to be honest with you, my opinion for the nice kickstance is that you were able to evolve. Mm-hmm. You continually evolved, whether that be through changing titles into things that maybe were more intriguing, whether it be to creating long form or content, creating engaging content, um, social, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like things come and you could get, you could get lost. Oh, without question. Think about it. Like the social could have come, you know, like you have continued to survive mm-hmm. and, and be a source of, of not only contributions, your contributions are, 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 are amazing. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it has opened so many doors for other people. For sure. Think about it, you know, and, 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 you know, not, and, and sometimes I sit here and I think I say, it's the smallest things, an $8 website. Yeah. Eight bucks to register the domain. Eight bucks. I don't got nothing else to say. Internet, uh, check, check out nicekicks.com. And when you see somebody in the fucking streets, say nice kicks. Okay. And we'll see you next episode. Matt. Peace. Peace, brother. Thank you, man. Incidents, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to reach out to me. Email me. Tweet me, okay? Email the premium Pete show at gmail.com. At Twitter, at premium Pete, at premium Pete show on Instagram, at premium Pete, at premium Pete show also. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. And also, to all my small businesses or big businesses, no matter how small or big you are, you want to advertise with the premium Pete show, get at me. The premium Pete show at gmail.com, and we'll figure something out, okay? Now, make sure you subscribe, rate, and tell a friend to tell a friend. And I'll see you next episode. Cheer.